online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 103. That's page 369 of the Psalter. It's at the beginning of the song. O thou my soul, bless God the Lord. And all that in me is, be stirred up his holy name to magnify and bless. Bless, O my soul, the Lord thy God, and not forgetful be of all his gracious benefits he hath bestowed on thee. We'll sing verses 1 to 5 of Psalm 103, O thou my soul, bless God the Lord. join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God, in the song that we have been singing, we have been reminded that real worship of you involves our souls. It must be spiritual. But we are so good at going through outward rituals and presenting facades not only to one another, but even in our folly to you. We ask this day that you would forgive us such foolishness and such sinfulness. And may we remind ourselves that not only must worship be of the soul, it must be guided by your truth. And we pray that as we come to you this day, that whatever we would do would find its warrant in your revelation to us not just regarding public worship, but regarding private worship as well. We thank you for this day, the one day in seven, 
set aside not only for public worship but for private worship. We pray that we would use this day well, this day that reminds us you created us all and all this universe, but this day that is also a constant memorial to us that you so loved the world that you sent your only begotten Son whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and we pray at a time of year like this that is meant to be about the coming of Christ into the world that we wouldn't miss out on the real message he is Emmanuel God with us we thank you that God came with us because that's our only hope because we are here this day as sinners in your sight we are not here because we are superior to others we are not here because we are better than others you know us through and through you know us better than we know ourselves and the limited knowledge we have of ourselves is such that sometimes we just want to run and hide from you but there are no hiding places except the one hiding place that is Christ and we pray that in all our poverty and in all our wretchedness we would be found hiding under the shadow of the wing of Jesus of Nazareth this day we give thanks for the sound of little voices in our midst bless them all all the children born and unborn associated with this congregation we thank you for family circles and we pray that you would bless us all we pray that you would remember those who are dreading this time of year because it's a time of year for families to get together and for some the empty chair will be a heavy burden we remember the family of the late Reverend John Angus Gillis this day. We thank you for all he meant to us in this life's journey. And we realize that although for him things are far better, we are all the poorer for his passing from this world. Remember those who mourn his loss. Sorest of all, be a comfort and stay to them. Indeed, remember all who have been visited by the hand of death not only in recent times but for some long ago but the, the wound has uh, never healed O Lord our God as we gather here this day we pray that you'd remember us and our loved ones wherever they may be found we pray that we would all be gathered unto yourself secure in Jesus for time and for eternity and in the midst of all the truckles and trials and strains of life's journey. And we are not short of problems. We pray that you'd have mercy on us. And that you'd help us. On the days we feel we cannot cope with any more. Help us to cry out to you from the depths of our need. Like the psalmist of old, oh Lord, from the depths to thee I cry. My voice, Lord, do thou hear, and to my supplications voice give an attentive ear. Please help us, Lord, as we make our way through life's journey in all our vulnerability and fragility and waywardness. Please help us to live in a way that would redound to the honor and to the glory of your name. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now it's lovely to see so many children here today and I'm going to speak to the children for a moment or two today. Now for the first number of years of my life uh, I lived in a farm up in the west uh, at the head of Loch Broom. It was called Inverbroom Farm and uh, if anyone asks me where I'm from that's, that's where I'm from. Uh, I'm from the Loch Broom area. That's where I feel my roots are. And uh, on the estate that we lived on, 
there were basically two farms. There, were, there was Inverbroom Farm and there was another farm known as Achendrain Farm. Both of these farms made up the one, um, the one estate. Now our beloved elder, the late John MacDonald, who meant so much to this congregation, his father farmed at uh, Achendrain for a time. And one of the men that worked along with John as he was young and learning his trade as a, as a shepherd was a man uh, from uh, the West called Simon Mackenzie. And, and latterly Simon lived in, in the East Coast here down in Manlochy. But nobody knew him as Simon Mackenzie. He was known as Simon the Shepherd. And I guess he was known as Simon the Shepherd because he was very good at what he did. He was an excellent shepherd and as is common in the West and, and maybe in the East as well, people are better known by their by names than their actual names. So it was Simon the Shepherd and um and um Simon shepherded around this area laterally. He got the name because of what he did. And you know, that's exactly the way it is with Jesus as well. Now, it's not that Jesus just has one name. He has many, many names. And every name means something and tells us something about him and who he is. But the name I want to tell you about today is the name that we're going to be looking at um, in the sermon today, or at least part of it, um, is the name Emmanuel. Because the name Emmanuel, that word means God with us. You know, just as the word Jesus itself has a meaning, it means Saviour. And of course, as soon as you say, well, if, if the word Jesus, the name Jesus means Saviour, you, you, you're asking, well, what does that mean? What kind of saviour is he? Because, you know, someone might save you from drowning and they, that, they, they, that's the kind of saviour they are. They might save you from maybe a house fire. They've saved you from the flames of the, of the fire. We are told in the Bible what kind of saviour Jesus is. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We are all here today as sinners, young and old, and we need to do something about it. And the one thing we can do is this. We can, and we can say to God, please God, have mercy upon me and help me. And you know what? Long, long ago, God did something about our plight. The babe in the manger was God's idea. It was he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. God has visited this planet. To save people like you and I. And I hope that we all trust in them this day. And I hope that we'll remember what the name Jesus, not just the name Jesus, but we'll remember what the name Emmanuel means. Emmanuel means God with us. Now let's sing again to God's praise. This time it's Psalm number 84. Psalm 84, and it's at the beginning of the song, and that's page 338 of the, of the Psalter. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts to me, the tabernacles of thy grace. How pleasant, Lord, they be. My thirsty soul longs vehemently, yea, faints thy courts to see. My very heart and flesh cry out, O living God, for thee. We'll sing verses um, 1 to 6 of Psalm 84. How lovely is thy dwelling place.
Now let's read God's word as we find it um, in the Gospel according to St. Matthew at chapter 1. And we'll read at the beginning of the chapter, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon. And Solomon the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz the father of Obed eh, by Ruth. And Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of David the king. And David is the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh. Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shaltiel, and Shaltiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azar. And Asa the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen, and may God bless to us that reading from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God, please help us. As we turn to explore your word. This book is an astonishing revelation. The genealogy that we've just read. Contains the names of people who have been gross sinners. Solomon. Was the son. Of. Uh, 
Uriah's wife Bathsheba. And we know the blemish that pertains to David in that whole area of his life. But we have read also here of the prostitute Rahab and of the man Manasseh who offered up children as sacrifices to the pagan gods. These are dreadful deeds. But there's a dreadful side to us all. But that's why we are here today. Because even if we have a genealogy like this, there is a God who was Emmanuel, who came amongst us to deal not with good and righteous people, but with sinners. And we qualify. And we are glad this day that there is a sheltering place for rebels such as we are. And we pray that as we turn to your word afresh this day, we would learn many lessons. We realize that Joseph got things so terribly wrong in his assessment. And so do we so often. But ultimately he listens to you and he bows to you and he believes in you. And he calls this child what you would have him called. Call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. May we bow in acquiescence of your commands. Help us we pray. Every last one of us. In all our need. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's continue in the same song, Psalm 84, page 339 at verse 7. So they from strength and wearied go, still forward unto strength, until in Zion they appear before the Lord at length. We'll sing verses 7 to 12. So they from strength and wearied go.
Now let's turn to the passage we've read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and we're going to read again at verse 19. And Mary's husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now let's, by God's enabling, seek to explore something of this area of Scripture. For those who think I've left it kind of hanging because I'm just going to look at verses 19 and 20 today, that's because I want to um, commit a sermon if we're spared to uh, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We want to look at verses 19 and 20. Uh, today. And just before that, we've read of, uh, we know of as what will be the virgin birth. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And the two things I want us to consider today is, first of all, Joseph's response to the news of the virgin birth. And then secondly, God's response to Joseph's response. Because Joseph does respond, but by and by he's going to change his mind about his whole approach to this uh, issue. So here we are, we're being told about something that occurred, we think, 2022 years ago. The reason I say we think is because there is debate as to whether, you know, our calendar uh, is divided into B.C., before Christ, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Jesus is just so important that our calendar is measured from the time of his birth. And his importance lies in this, that he's not just another child. He is a human child. He is a true body and he has a reasonable soul like every other human being. But he is also God come in the flesh. He is God himself. He is Emmanuel, as this passage of scripture has, uh, has reminded us. God has come in to the flow of uh, the human race. And although we will have Christmas Day on the 25th of December, there is a discrepancy in that our calendar runs from the 1st of, uh, of January. Now that's because if you go back into the history of the dates, you'll find there's a lot of debate as to whether we've got the right date on the 25th of December. Others think it was a date in, in October. What's not all that important is to find out what the specific date. Maybe we can't find out what the specific date is. What we do know for a fact is that he was born in the stable, in if it was a stable, some kind of barn come animal sanctuary um, in, in, in Bethlehem around 2022 uh, years ago. We may not have the dates absolutely right. That's not what's all important. What is all important is we are dealing with historic facts here. There was a baby in a manger in Bethlehem and we are reading about this baby. This baby came about as a result of a virgin being with child because the Holy Spirit of God overshadowed her and she was uh, pregnant. But as we saw last week, at this stage Mary and Joseph were not married. They were betrothed. 
And remember what we said about betrothal in that culture. It was a much more firm commitment than engagement in our culture. In our culture, if people get engaged, they can just break off the engagement, and that's that. Sometimes the engagement continues and they go on to commit themselves in marriage. That's the way it is in our culture. But in Israel, two millennia ago, if you were betrothed, that was a commitment that you could only get out of by a divorce. And the difference between betrothal and marriage was they had never come together in union. They, they had never consummated this uh, relationship. And here is Joseph, and we read that both Mary and Joseph were God-fearing uh, people. They believed in God, they trusted in God, and here they are in this kind of uh, relationship. Now we are going to explore something of the Lord spares us this evening. Something of Mary's response to the virgin birth. Because it wasn't all plain sailing for her. It wasn't all plain sailing for her. Here are a couple and they are in love. And uh, Mary is expecting a child uh, Joseph knows that he's not the biological father of this child how's it going to go when she says this to him is, she, is he going to believe her or is he not and, and I think that's part of uh, the fear part of the fear that Mary would have had and uh, as we'll explore this e evening uh, what God comes and says to Mary is fear not, fear not you know it's amazing the number of times in scripture that God has to say to his people don't be afraid but you know what we have every right to be afraid our lives are littered with problems. Some of them are massive problems. And we, we manage to pretend to one another and we put on these facades to one another but you pull away the layers and you have people struggling all over the place. And I'll be honest with you, um, I deal with many pastoral problems but... Um, this last while, the enormity of the number of problems that people have that are not manifest but that just come to light in, because you're in a community and you're pastoring people and, and you know sometimes you get to the stage where you think I don't know if I can take any more because I don't have the solutions I don't know how to help people in given situations but then I remind myself of this we can turn heavenwards and we have a God who will listen to us. And we have a God who is deeply interested in us. How do we know that? Well, we're coming up to Christmas time. Whether we've got the dates right or not, that's not all that important. But we have a God who's Emmanuel. He knows our plights. He knows our problems. He knows our pangs. And so we can turn to him when we can turn to nobody else and we can say, this is my problem. And you know, I think we have to learn to do this. And it's hard for us to do this at times. Because we're proud people. The very first miracle that Jesus performed was the changing of the water into wine at the Canaan of Galilee wedding. Do you know what Mary said to the people when they faced that problem? Listen to him. And that's it. Just listen to him. Pour out your problems to him. Listen to what he says. And he'll get us through. And that's true of every last one of us. So here is Mary. And she's not sure how it's going to go. Well we do know how it went. Listen to this. And her husband Joseph. He's betrothed. Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So how's it gone? Well, I think we can safely say this. Whatever Mary has told him, he doesn't believe it. He thinks that Mary has been 
unfaithful. And now he's got options. Well, I, I think he's got options, you know. I said last week that we have the biblical view of marriage. I, I'm not interested in these modern ideas and, 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 and meanings of, of marriage where it can be between two men and two women and whatnot. That is not biblical marriage. Biblical marriage, I mean, God made it very plain from the outset. He made male and female. That should be enough for us. I don't think we even need the Bible to tell us that. I think it's pretty obvious that the human race consists of male and a female. And marriage is the coming together and a lifelong bond of a male and a female. And of course there are uh, commandments given uh, regarding, regarding uh, a marriage. But it doesn't always work out. We live in a fallen world. And we live in a world today that seems to almost far too readily think we, we, we've, we've hit a problem, walk away. Just walk away. And this idea that all our problems will disappear if we walk away, is, is, it's a nonsense really. Because very often it creates far, far more problems than it ever resolves. But we have to acknowledge that scripture makes it clear that there is such a thing as biblical divorce. And as far as I can understand, it's, there are two reasons for it. One is adultery and the other is a desertion. But just because a husband or a wife commits adultery... It does not mean that they cannot be forgiven. There's an option open to, to them. There is grounds for a, a divorce if adultery has taken place. But one doesn't have to proceed with a divorce. Forgiveness can come in to the equation. And you know what? We are all here this day because God is a gracious God. Our lives are littered with some sins that are pretty obvious and can be seen by all and by other sins that are well hidden from, from other people but all open in the eyes of God. Do you remember the woman that was taken in adultery and when Jesus is dealing with the situation what his word is is this that him and they're, 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 they're demanding that she be stoned to death. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. They all disappeared. They all disappeared. Now I'm not saying that Jesus was condoning sin because he wasn't. Because he says to the woman taken in adultery, go and sin no more. But there's something absolutely astonishing going on here. Here is Emmanuel. Here is God with us. And he's willing to forgive. And I think that's so important for us to remember that we have hope for eternity based on the forgiveness of God. And if that is true of our relationship with God, our relationship with other people should be one marked by a willingness to forgive us well. Now I'm assuming that, jo that, that, that uh, Joseph is in the position where he can, he can go for a divorce or he can be forgiving to Mary. He thinks that Mary has been unfaithful uh, to him. He chooses to go for a divorce. And you can't fault him for that because that is an option that's provided for him uh, as far as we can see from uh, biblical uh, revelation. And we're told there that he was a just man. And you think now, what does that mean? Because this issue of justice is an interesting one. Because what you might think is just, another person might not think is just at all. There are different views on what justice is. But here we have two people who believe in the God of the Bible and I'm taking it that their justice is rooted in God. 
Do you remember that three and a half thousand years ago God gave to Moses on the Mount Sinai the Ten Commandments? Now let's remember this. The Ten Commandments are just a summary of the law of God. If we want to flesh out what any given commandment is, we go to the rest of the Scripture and we discover from the rest of the Scripture what it what the law of God is but that's not the first time that God reveals his law to the human race because when Adam and Eve were in the garden of Eden prior to the fall the law of God was written on their hearts they knew it and they loved it and they abided by it and they relished it and they they prospered in it but that all comes to an end with the fall that all comes to an end. Now you find remnants of that law of God in the experience of the, of the human race. But we need uh, to be reminded of what it is in a different kind of way uh, post the fall uh, in the Garden of uh, Eden. And so justice is something that a just God tells us about. And here is... Um, Joseph, he thinks that Mary has been unfaithful to him and he has chosen to go for a divorce. But I want us to notice this. He's a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. There is something of a humble and a meek disposition there. Because you know what it's like. We are so touchy. When someone hurts us. There is something within us that wants to retaliate. There is something within us that wants a bit of revenge. And, and, and this is where we have to. This is where we have to sit down with ourselves and talk things through and I guess, you know, gird up the loins of our minds. You know, what does that mean, gird up the loins of your minds? Well, you know, someone in, 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 in the past in Old Testament times, their, their long flowing um, garments, if they were going to work, they needed to get them out of the road. So they would have, have a belt and they would tuck they would tuck the, the garments in around the, the belt just so that it wouldn't get in. In other words, they were preparing for the task that was ahead of them. So to gird up the loins of one's mind is to get prepared. Prepare in your mind. And it is very important for us to remember, even as believers, we are new creations and we want to honour God, but there's something lingering there as well that is horrible and that is sinful and that is of the old man. And in any given situation, we need to stop and we need to think things through and we need to work out what is the best way ahead here. And we need to be relying wholly and solely on the goodness and the grace of God to deal with any given situation. But here is Joseph and probably the person that's closest to him in life's journey has badly let him down. Or at least that's the way he thinks it is. And is there something in his mind that goes out for revenge? And you know what we would do today, in this day, and <laughs> there was no Facebook then, there was no f social media then, but you know, you get people plastering all over the media when, when they're hurt in some kind of way. This is what's happened, and that's what happens. And, and you know, I often think of, the, of a younger generation. There's very little privacy left in this world. You know, even if they go to their bedrooms at night, these phones are coming at them left, right and centre. And um, there is very, very little space for privacy left in this world. But uh, we can do so much damage, not only to ourselves, but to others, by just allowing a spirit of revenge to dictate the day. It didn't happen with Joseph. 
It didn't happen with Joseph. He is dealing with the situation as delicately and as quietly and as lowly as he possibly can. He obviously still has respect for Mary. Obviously not the respect he once had, but he's got it wrong. He's got it wrong. He is completely and utterly wrong on this one. And that leads me on to my second point, and I'll have to deal with it very briefly. It's God's response to Joseph's response. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy uh, Spirit. And here we have someone whom God communicates to by way of dream. And God did that. You remember Joseph, the other Joseph who was betrayed by all his brothers. God communicated by dreams. Sometimes God did that. Sometimes God communicated in Old Testament times by visions. And the difference between a vision and a dream was... A dream was whilst you were asleep, God revealed things to you. In a vision, you were awake, you were conscious. But there were other ways that God um, revealed himself. Theophany, remember what a theophany was? It's a God appearance, and that's what the burning bush was. It was God revealing things to Moses by that particular uh, appearance. Here we today have God's inscripturated revelation. And we are in a better position as far as revelation is concerned than anybody prior to the Bible coming together. Our problem is this. We won't read it. At least we won't read it in the way we ought to read it. Because, you know what? It takes effort. It takes time. You have to plug away at it. But it reaps great rewards. It's a means of grace. And you know... If we're not going to be using the means of grace that God gives to us, let's not complain if we find ourselves all over the place. And let's not complain if we find ourselves facing problems that we wouldn't necessarily would have had to face. He's given us many means of grace. And we should use these means. But at any rate, God in a dream reveals uh, to Joseph... And of course there's an angel involved here. And you know, sometimes you hear people, and they speak along these lines, well I'm not sure about this God business, and I don't know about this, and I don't know about that, and I don't know about the next thing. And But you know what, if an angel appeared to me, I would, I would know, yeah, that would change everything for me. And when people say that, you realize they haven't read scripture. They haven't read about people interacting with angels because invariably when that happens, people are afraid. And I wonder if one of the reasons that they are afraid is this. This is just one of the reasons. The angels, these are holy angels. There are such things as fallen angels. I'm talking about the holy angels. They are sinless. I wonder if there are people in your experience and you may well like these people but you don't really want to go near them because you know they are holy people and you know you're not and you just feel too vile for their company and when you bring into this equation a holy angel was that part of what made them fear do you remember when Peter saw something of the divinity of Jesus do you remember what his response was depart from me Lord for I am a sinful man an overwhelming sense of his own sinfulness was that wrong it was absolutely right there's nothing wrong with an overwhelming sense of one's own sinfulness. It can get wrong. And what I mean by that is this. There are an awful lot of Christians who live out their days in a state of paralysis. 
because they're so afraid. But what we must do is we must take our fears and all our sinfulness to this Lord and find our strength and comfort in Him. And so here is Joseph. This is a dream. There's an angel in the dream and God is revealing something to him. And Joseph listens to God. And it changes everything. Because he's no longer going to divorce this woman. And even the child he will give the name that God said it should have. He gives the child the name, the name Jesus. Now, Joseph had options at that stage. Joseph could have stood his ground and said, I don't believe this. I don't believe this. She has been unfaithful. That's a road he could have gone down. You know, if you walk down the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, you'll see a statue there of probably the best-known Scottish Enlightenment figure, David Hume. Do you know what David Hume did with God? He put God in a box and he said, You can't do this. He basically said, There's no such thing as a miracle. You can't step out of the laws of nature. Well, I don't know how you convince somebody who starts shackling God. I don't know how you convince somebody of the truth. But there you have it. But here is Joseph. And he manifests something beautiful in his dealing with me. He's got it wrong, but even in getting it wrong, he's gone for the option of divorce and he's doing it in such a gracious way. But here is God's response to his response and he bows before God. He bows before God and he accepts this is a virgin birth. This is something way beyond my understanding. But I believe what you say and I am bowing before what you say. And this is one of the great challenges of this area of, uh, of Scripture. <coughs> Did Joseph have his problems? Absolutely. Did Mary have her problems? Absolutely. Do you and I have our problems? Absolutely. Absolutely. But as we turn to this God and we listen to his revelation to us, my hope and prayer is this, that we won't allow our egos to dictate what God can do and what God cannot do, what God can say and what God cannot say. Because that's what the egos of fallen mankind do. But that we will bow afresh in worship and adoration this day again. Because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us to save us from our sins. Amen. Let's pray. O oh Lord our God, help us as we explore these astonishing things to bow in faith before you and to drink in the wonder of your grace towards us this day. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 73. Psalm number 73, it's page um, 316 of the Psalter, and it's at verse 25. Whom have I in the heavens high, but thee, O Lord, alone, and in the earth whom I desire, besides thee there is none. We'll sing verses 25 to 28. Whom have I in the heavens high?
Now may grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one both now and forevermore. Amen.